0: We're going to continue in our series on what on earth is happening. <clears throat> what on earth is happening? Have you asked that question to yourself here lately? And better yet, as a Christian, you know, we should be asking God, Lord, what on earth is happening here? What is happening? You know, it really, it's not a matter what you and I think. It's a matter what he thinks. You know, everybody has an opinion, but the only one that's going to stand in the end uh, is God's, because his word is forever settled in heaven. And that word meaning settled, it's, it's a legal term that means without debate. That's pretty cool, amen? So we need to ask him what, what's going on on earth, what's happening in our government what's happening in the schools, what's happening with the educational institutions, for that matter. Uh, Really, big corporations are now jumping on a bandwagon that's not really going well. Uh, Banking, the medical industries, you know, doctors, big pharma is really in a conspiracy here, too. Uh, The world is flooded with immorality. Uh, gender confusion, lawlessness, loss of sanity, uh, really a, a loss of com- comprehending what's right and what's wrong is really what's happened here. Uh, and so we need to ask the Lord, where is this headed? Lord, where is this headed? And what is my part in this? Because you and I are born into this time on purpose with God's plan and so, therefore, you got to ask him, "What's my part to play in this end time?" Because we are in the end times. You know, this isn't about. <clears throat> excuse me, this isn't about winning an argument. It's it's not about a political deal. It's not about the the liberals and the the conservatives. It's it's not. It it's. It's about standing for truth. It's about standing for truth. It's about allowing the love of God that's been a shed abroad in your heart to manifest out into a lost and dying world. It's about being able to lead someone to Christ so their eternity is is snatched from hell into heaven. This is our job. This is what we have to do. And this is what we have to be prepared for. Because God is going to be coming to a place where we stand before him. And he's going to ask us, hey, I gave you these opportunities. What did you do with them? Nobody's going to be there but you and him. I mean, I heard a preacher once say, and you're not going to talk him out of anything. <laughs> Today, we're going to look at a very controversial subject about uh, gay marriage and what uh, a Christian view of a gay marriage should be. Uh, We know that God's word is his will. So a Christian has to look at God's word so that their opinion can line up with what God has said. If you're a Christian... see. You're bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible declares you're not your own. You belong to Christ. And the big thing is, is that there's a lot of pressure to conform to the world, isn't there? But Jesus says, if you lose your life here on this earth, you'll gain true life. And that's really, do you understand what that means? It means I'm not joining with what society and culture has. I'm joining the eternal word of God. I'm going to stand for this truth. And when we walk with God, we'll stand out as politically incorrect, incorrect, amen? (laughs) Amen. But we have to obey the Word of God, even if it's be controversial, which it is, because this whole world system is against the Word of God. This whole world system is trying to eliminate even a thought of God, even a thought of Christianity. The whole world, the Bible says, is under the power of the evil one. The Bible declares he is the God of this world, little g. He has but a little time left. And then Jesus is going to come back. And he's going to set up his millennial kingdom. And true justice and righteousness will manifest here. And those of us who walk in his ways and hold fast to the truth will rule and reign with him. And everything you're going through is actually preparing you for that very job to rule and reign with Him. And what we've got to understand that there's no prize with compromise. So when we stand on the Word of God, when we start to walk in His wisdom and His truth, it will be controversial and you will be actually hated for it. Jesus himself says the whole world is going to hate you. You know, when I was young in the Lord, I thought, well, how can that be? People love, you know, the good things that we walk in, the good things that we do. Uh, but it's, it all comes down to the name above every name, the name of Jesus. See, you can easily get into a conversation and talk about God. Because everybody has their own concept of God. But when you name the name of Jesus, spiritual tension falls into place. Try it. You'll you'll recognize it. (laughs) So what we need to do is, is we're here to understand God and walk in his ways because he gives us the power to walk out his divine will for our lives. We cannot do this in our own strength. And so what we have to do is learn to abide in him. That It's important for us to read the word of God. Please sign up for that. Uh, we just got done with reading the chronological Bible. Uh, the whole church went through it for a whole year. It was enjoyable. We, we all grew in that. So now we're going to keep it up and go to the next level. Amen. So please sign up for that. Let's pray. Father, (laughs) Lord, your word carries the highest authority in our lives. Think of that. His word carries the highest authority in our lives. In Isaiah 55, you say, uh, (laughs) seek you while you can be found. Call upon you while you are near. We are seeking you and we're calling upon your name for wisdom, for truth, for directions. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts, Lord, and your ways are higher than our ways. You also say to every single one of us, Lord, let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord. And you will have love and mercy and abundance and pardon our sins. So Lord, here we are. We seek to know your thoughts. We want to live out your will. Help us to be encouraged and edify one another and find answers and directions. We want to live out the grace that you have for us. ask that you would reveal your word to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, December of 2022, President Biden signed the uh, federal law. It was called Respect for Marriage Act. It's a new legislation that requires federal and state governments to uh, recognize all marriages between two people, regardless of sex, race, ethnicity, national origin, and uh, assuming that the marriage was valid in the state that they came from or even in the country that this was performed. And up until this bill, uh, the Defense of Marriage Act, was in effect. It was signed in 1996 by President Bill Clinton. And under that uh, Defense of Marriage Act, uh, the government uh, limited its recognition of marriage to the union of one man and one woman. States had already had uh, legalized same-sex marriage, some states, but other states did not have to recognize that. And so uh, this law forces them to recognize that same-sex marriage across state lands or lines, and it causes them to receive benefits of a married couple federal benefits, state benefits. And so uh, this law was passed, but thankfully, there was a group of Republican senators that uh wanted to protect religious rights uh because the bill would have been passed without uh, any freedom of religion involved with it at all and so uh they're protected 501c3s are protected for religious r- reasons uh that's that's a church uh, 501c3 uh, these organizations and the people in these organizations cannot be sued because they stand on their religious principles now that does not uh, work if you're a Christian and you own a business uh, we've seen the, the bakery the wedding cake deal uh, they have no right to uh, say no this is against my religious beliefs and uh, what I want to do is to share with us today a, a video uh, by Jonathan Kahn. He is a, a Messianic rabbi. That means he's, he's Jewish descent, but he's uh, recognized that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. That's why he's called a Messianic Jew. Uh, he, uh, we have talked about his books uh, the Harbinger, Harbinger 1, Harbinger 2, and then the last book that he wrote, uh, Return of the Gods, is very in, enlightening. Uh, I would suggest you get it and read that. We did show his video uh, once earlier, uh, t- two weeks ago, and so what I want you to do is uh, go ahead and take a look at uh, this video. This is uh, was addressing the president on YouTube, and... Uh, it's very prophetic it's prophetic to him it's to the nation it's it's actually very prophetic to the church so let's let's take a look at this
1: mr president mr president when you took your oath of office i sent a message online and millions of americans saw it in that message i asked this question how can you place your left hand on the bible the word of god and with your right hand sign laws into existence that war against the word of God. I said, you plan to enact laws that will disregard the distinction between male and female, doing that which our first president warned against that if we ever disregard the eternal rules of God, his blessings will be removed from the land. And now you've done it. In December, 2022, you stood on the White House lawn and officiated over a ceremony in which you signed an act that altered American federal law. When George Orwell wrote his book, 1984, he spoke of a government that used words to obscure and obliterate reality, the Ministry of Truth to obscure lies, the Ministry of Love to obscure oppression. What you did, Mr. President, on the White House lawn when you signed that act was that very thing. The Respect for Marriage Act, a law that was the very opposite of its name, the disrespecting and obliteration of what marriage has always been since the beginning of human history. You did something that no president had ever done. You enshrined the alteration of marriage into federal law. And you not only did that, but you commemorated it with a great festival inviting thousands of activists and drag queens to the white house lawn to celebrate it with songs and music you converted the white house into a rainbow now listen to the words of an american leader spoken in modern times not long ago years after 9-11 he declared as absolute moral reality marriage is between a man and a woman who said that his name was joe biden you said that And you repeated it for emphasis. Marriage, you said again, is between a man and a woman and states must respect that. And yet now, on the White House lawn, you signed a law that declared that marriage is not between a man and a woman, but between anyone. It was the destruction of the very moral foundation that you declared was absolute. You signed into law an act, which by force of law compels all states to disrespect the very thing that you said all states must respect that marriage is between a man and a woman further you boasted that you voted for the defense of marriage act because it was morally right you assured america that there was no danger to that law no violation of it and no challenge to it And yet, now, on the White House lawn, it was your own hand that struck down that very law and destroyed it. How does that happen? How does a man turn away from and against his own morality and actually celebrate the act of turning away and against it? Was there any scientific discovery that changed everything? Was there a new set of tablets handed down on Mount Sinai? Do the words of Scripture magically disappear? What do we call it when one abandons one's own values and moral foundations and destroys them, and then celebrates it with music, color, and song? When you placed your hand on the word of God, the Bible, to become president, I asked you this, how do you sign into law that which clearly wars against the very word on which you swore your oath? And now you've done it. You've set American federal law at war against the Word of God and against everyone who upholds it. And that same Word of God in the book of Isaiah says that those who call what is sinful good will end up calling that and those who are good sinful and evil. And on the White House law, you proved those words true. You merged together and equated racism and anti-Semitism with what you called homophobia and transphobia. And in that context in which you said it, it meant that all who do not and cannot condone same-sex marriage, and all who believe that to hormonally and surgically alter a child is morally and egregiously wrong, all who believe the word of God are now the equivalent of racists and anti-Semites. So was the president under whom you served. Barack Obama, who first ran for office stating that marriage was between a man and a woman because of God, was he the equivalent of a racist and an anti-Semite? Was Abraham Lincoln, who believed the very same thing, the equivalent of a racist and an anti-Semite? Was Mother Teresa the equivalent of a racist and an anti-Semite? Was just about every American until just recently, in effect, a racist and an anti-Semite? Is every person of faith who believes in the Word of God now equivalent to a racist and an anti-Semite? Was the senator who publicly declared that marriage was between a man and a woman, were you a racist and an anti-Semite? The American government is opposed to racist and anti-Semites. So does this mean that you are now setting the American government against Christians and those of faith? It's a very relevant question. You see, when you became president, I asked you, how can you place one hand on the word that ordains human life as sacred and in the image of God from conception and then with the other sign laws into existence that will promulgate the killing of that human life? Mr. President, you once stood for life and for the most defenseless against the killing of the unborn through abortion. And yet now you have advocated for the most radical expansion of the killing of unborn children in American history. And you've employed the Department of Justice as a weapon to be wielded against those who now seek to protect unborn children. So I ask you again, are you setting the United States government against Christians, against those who uphold the word of God? You see, in order for the Respect for Marriage Act to pass, Its authors were forced to put in a clause by which houses of worship and religious organizations would not be forced to act against their faith, to perform and recognize marriages that defy the word of God. But a news reporter then asked your press secretary if that clause of religious freedom was not discrimination. In other words, shouldn't we remove that clause so that houses of worship will be forced to act against their faith and God? We would have expected your press secretary being politically adept to have restated the inviolable nature of religious freedom and conscience or to have changed the subject and moved on. But she didn't. She did something else. She said, quote, Is there more work to do? Absolutely. Her answer to that implicit call for the future revoking of religious freedom and the compelling of believers to act against their faith was, yes, 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 there is more work to do. Now the White House Press Secretary is carefully instructed to answer according to the President's wishes. So Mr. President, do you agree with your own Press Secretary? At the beginning of your term, I warned of what you are now doing. So now I ask you, will you be working toward the elimination of the protections with regard to religious freedom and conscience? You have already sought to force religious organizations to fund procedures that violate their faith. So will you, with more work to do, work toward forcing churches and Christians to go against their own faith, to partake in what the Bible calls sin, or else be punished by the state, as being in your own words now the equivalent of racist and anti-Semites? Do you remember the stories you heard and the movies you watched when you were a child about the first Christians in Rome, how they went to their deaths before lions in the ancient arenas? Why did they go to their deaths? They went to their deaths because the government, the state, was seeking to force them to go against their faith, to burn incense to the emperor, to bow down before other gods, and they would not. So they gave up their lives. You have called yourself a Christian. But how can you in reality be a Christian if you wage war against the ways and the word of God? Your actions are not that of Peter and Paul, but of those who persecuted them and put them to death, the rulers of state, the Diocletians and the Neros. You have fallen away from the stand which you once upheld. In Greek, the word for that is apo, to move away from, and stasis, one state or stand, apostasis or in english apostasy the bible says that in the last days there will be a great apostasy a great falling away from faith and thus we will see a christian-based civilization and nations falling into apostasy we would then expect that the leaders of such nations will themselves be fallen into apostasy and thus will embody that apostasy have you not become the embodiment of that apostasy. We are now there, and you, Mr. President, are there as well, in a state of apostasy. And for one who calls oneself a Christian, it is a most dangerous state to be in because eternity is very near. It is, for all of us, just one heartbeat away. For now, you have a position, an administration, a government, a party, a media, But the day will come when you will stand before God and you will have no more position, no administration, no government, no media, and no public opinion. They will all be gone, it will just be you and him. And he will ask you to give account of what you did, what you did with regard to his word and his ways, and what you did with regard to your own stands that you knew were right. And without salvation and the new birth, there awaits only an eternity without God and of eternal judgment. Judgment will come. And yet God calls to all and to all stretches out His arms. The only hope America has, and each of us have, is to turn to repent and to come under His mercy and into those arms. Mr. President, the hour is late and eternity is soon coming. Repent and turn to God for the only hope America has is revival and the only hope You have and all of us have is salvation in Hebrew. The word for salvation is Yeshua Yeshua in English is the name Jesus apart from him from Yeshua from Jesus There is no salvation and in him alone is there hope May God have mercy on America and may God have mercy on you, Mr. President, and upon us all. And upon us all.
0: We are in a uh, spiritual war we have been in this spiritual war for many many years and unfortunately what's happened is the christian church has kept their head in the sand and allowed culture to demand its way and this law will have its intended it's intended effect which means that the the standard of marriage according to the bible will quickly be forgotten, and America itself will fall into this apostasy. And the president here uh, said, whoever's against this is a racist, an anti-Semite, a bigot. That's pretty twisted. There's a scripture in 1 John, it says this, they who teach twisted doctrine are of the world and belong to it. Therefore, they speak from the viewpoint of the world with its immoral freedom and baseless theory, demanding compliance with their opinions and ridiculing the values of the upright. And the gullible one of the world listens closely and pays attention to them. Christians right now are already called haters, homophobic, racist, transphobic because we stand on the scriptures. And But there are some people who uh, are Christians and express their Christianity in a hateful way toward these people. That's, that's, I'm sorry for that because that's not the idea. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He wanted to express the love of the Father. He went to the cross to die for their sins, just like He died for our sins. Every human being is made in the image and likeness of God. That's why they have dignity and value. Everyone. This includes them. We want to reach out to these people. We want to bring the truth to them. Listen, there is demonic activity that drives this. And without the protection of Jesus Christ and the spirit of the living God, people can fall right into it real easy. And then when society and culture is telling them that this is right and this is how you should be, when the universities are telling them that this is, there's just recently a Penn State professor, just recently, just read it in the news, <clears throat> told all the straight people in his classrooms that they should watch gay porn. That's Penn State. Because you never know, you could be gay. My son-in-law, before he uh, became a pastor at the church in Virginia Beach, worked at as a uh, and <laughs> a missionary on the campus of Duke. When the new student uh, gathered together, the president of Duke University says that you should. He told this is a quote: "You should explore your." Your sexuality, because who knows, you might be gay. This is a university, folks. And, and this is being accepted. For the for fi- last 50 years, the sanctity of marriage has been under attack. Back in the 60s, the establishment of no-fault divorce... <laughs> the use of the pill, birth control in the 60s, uh, more couples were living together then uh, outside of marriage. In the 70s, women's lived, abortion was legalized. You know, all of this is working on the hearts and the minds of, of the culture to minimize the sacredness of the holiness of marriage. And now uh, our government is redefining and legalizing their own definition of marriage. Which is a far cry from the biblical truth. Now the law says to recognize marriage between two people. But what's going to happen next to push the envelope? Two people of what age? Okay? And then those people that are in, in, involved with uh, a throeple? It's a threesome. Two are legally married, but the third one is not. But they're all living as though they're married. Pretty soon that third person's going cry to out, cry out, I've been marginalized. I, I have been discriminated against. So why isn't marriage more than two people? <clears throat> Already you find it in the workplace. You, you don't call people husband and wife anymore. You call them partners. Call them partners. And the institute of marriage began when? Genesis chapter 2, folks. Genesis chapter 2. And God himself said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Jesus reiterated this same thing in Mark chapter 10 and Matthew chapter 19. And marriage is the foundation of society, folks. It's it's the building block of all human civilizations. Uh, marriage also there's a mystery to marriage because it also represents our our marriage to Jesus Christ. It's important. The Hebrews chapter twelve says, "Keep the marriage bed undefiled." It's a it's a sacred union. It's it's. You know, the church was supposed to present this idea to the world. Whatever children were produced out of that marriage, they were supposed to see how the parents brought them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and how, indeed, they then serve God and walk in His ways. It's supposed to be a light into the world. And... The truth is, the Bible is very clear on homosexuality. It's wrong. It's wrong. And I don't say that out of hatred. I have two cousins that are homosexual. And you've got to pray for these people. You know, we say it's wrong, but where does it say that in the Bible? So... Leviticus chapter 18, we'll start there. Well, it starts off in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. A man shall leave his wife. Or a man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. Leviticus eighteen twenty-two. Do not practice homosexuality. Having sex with another man is, as with a woman is detestable sin. Leviticus 20, 13. If a man practices homosexuality, having sex with another man, as with a woman, both men have committed a detestable act. They must both be put to death, or they are guilty of a capital offense. And here we go in the New Testament, Romans chapter 1. I'm only going to pick it up in verse 26 and 27. That's why God abandoned them to their sinful, shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with other women. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relationships with b- women, burned in their lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty that they deserved. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9-11. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin and who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive, the cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And some of you once were like that. But you were cleansed. But you were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Anybody can break free from this if they just yield to Jesus Christ. Like I said before, there's a spirit that's involved with this. It's a demonic spirit. And no demonic spirit can match the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible declares, greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10. The law is for people who are sexually immoral, or who practice homosexual, or are slave traders, liars, promise breakers, or who do anything else that contradicts wholesome teaching. The church is is the light of the world. Jesus called us the light of the world, and this world is dark. Amen. amen. But o- over the years, the church has slid, refused to stand up for the truth because of fear of man. Instead of fearing God, the church feared men. Yes, forgive us, Lord. The church compromised and found it easier to agree with culture than to stand and be called names. They've agreed that affirming equals love. We're supposed to love everybody. Amen? Amen? But that doesn't mean to look the other way when people are sinning. That means to bring the truth. Bring the truth in a loving way. We read that scripture where it says, and such some of you were. And such some of you were. Colossians chapter 2 says this, verse 8. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Amy Grant was, a, as a, was known as a Christian artist. And her, her, she sang beautiful words and, and powerful biblical truths. And it, it actually helped build the faith of many people. Uh, but her fame did something to her. You know. She divorced her husband, married a guy named Vince Gill, He's another artist, musical guy, and then she slowly became more secular than Christian. Uh, she's still labeled a Christian artist, but uh, she's her music is anything from uh, uh, from Christianity. It's too far away from Christianity. She's now hosting her gay, her lesbian niece's marriage on her uh, four hundred fifty acre farm. And this is a quote. That's why to me it's so important to set a table, a welcome table because I was invited to a table where someone says, don't be afraid you're loved. Gay, straight, it doesn't matter. Amy Grant goes on to say, it doesn't matter how we behave. It doesn't matter how we're wired. Well, you can't find that anywhere in the Bible. She goes on to say, we're all at our best selves when we believe in our core that I'm loved. And then our creativity flourishes. When we're loved, we're brave enough to say yes to good impulses that come to us. What a gift for our whole family to just widen the experience of our whole family. She said this, she's so proud of her niece that came out, so to speak. She goes on to say, honestly, from a faith perspective, you know, she's teaching us. I always say this, Jesus once, Jesus just narrowed it down to two things, love God and love each other. I mean, hey, that's pretty simple. But true love, according to the Bible, says this. It stands for truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 6, it says this. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Amen. Amen. We are to love God. We are to love one another. But if, if we love God, we're going to tell people that we love the truth. Amen. And Jesus said this, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. The word of God is clear on homosexuality. And loving somebody else, loving these people is, is caring about their eternal destination. You and I have a responsibility to them. We can't recoil because of the way they look or the way they act. God loves those people and He wants to set them free. He wants to send them down at a table that He's prepared for them. And we need to be the people that declare God loves you. God does love you. And He has a better plan for you than what you're living now. And we need to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit because God will empower you and I to say the right words, to to stir the most holy emotions in an individual. And that's what we're here to do. We're to be His arms and feet. We're to be speaking His word. Not in a condemning way because Jesus didn't condemn people. He came to save them. Yes, He brought you right up to the reality of where you are spiritually. And then gave you an option to be set free from sin. Because if you go to Him, you'll find real freedom. Amen? Amen. Amen. So it's our responsibility to bring the truth in love. We find it Scripture here that we know for sure now the Bible declares that homosexuality is wrong. And God's word is His will. So we know the will of God is not that men marry men, women marry women. It's called sexual immorality. These people are deceived, just like we all were once deceived. We have a responsibility to these people, just like we have a responsibility to the heterosexual that is committing adultery. We have a responsibility to all. And we have to be led by the Spirit of God because Jesus... And the book of Jude says, some by fire, some by mercy. That means being straight up with somebody that you're going to burn in hell if you continue your life. Or working a merciful way, saying to this individual, you know, God has enlightened every man. So if, if you're willing, I can show you some scriptures that will help you understand. You've got to decide, you've got to know by the leading of the Holy Spirit, how to deal with people. And how do you become sensitive to the Holy Spirit? You read the Word and you practice the Word. You gather together with people of like faith. You come to a prayer meeting. You come to the Bible studies. You grow in Christ. Time's short. And we each have a responsibility. And we're going to be just like what Jonathan Kahn said that, Well, Mr. President, you're going to stand there by yourself. You won't have an office. You won't have the media on your side. You're going to be by yourself in front of Jesus. And that's going to happen to us. It's going to happen to us. We're not exempt. Everybody stands before Christ. Everybody. And time is short. And I think what we need to do is be like desperate people. To know Him. To actually know Him. Not know about Him, but to know Him. To know Him. Because the truth is, you're being personally taught by Him every time you open that Bible. You're being personally taught by the Holy Spirit. And you need to speak to Him as though He is sitting right beside you. We have a responsibility, and I believe that Community Life Church will take that responsibility. Yeah, I believe that we're not going to cower. We're going to stand for the truth. Will we make mistakes? Yes, we will. But we'll repent and learn from those mistakes. Will we be attacked? Yes, we will. Will Will we be marginalized? Yes, we will. Will we be traded unfairly? Yes, we will. But so is our master. Amen. Amen? If you're here today and you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, I'm telling you right now, you're at the mercy of the devil. You have no power over him to walk away from him. The only ability for that to happen is when you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've given your life to Him. This is not a religious thing. This is a reality thing. Is there anybody in here that wants to give their life to Jesus Christ today? That your sins will be forgiven. You'll have a fresh start with Him you'll start to be productive in an eternal way for the kingdom of god just simply raise your hand high enough and i'll see it and we'll pray a prayer glory to god heavenly father let's just pray right now heavenly father we're not we're not here just to make a check mark off that we came to church we're here to learn of you we're here to understand your ways and walk in your ways we're here to strengthen our brothers and sisters we're here to be made whole and so i'm asking you lord to write your laws on our hearts and on our minds Help us to be fearless. Help us to be bold in a loving way. In a merciful way. Whether they call us haters or not, we'll still love them. Because Jesus, you said to love your enemies and bless those who persecute you. You are our example and we will follow you all the days of our lives.